Welcome to the Be Light Podcast, where we discuss letting go of the mess, being the light God calls us to be, and not only being the light, but actually feeling light as we release it all and experience the unsurpassing joy of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you leave feeling encouraged and a little lighter. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Be Light Podcast. Today, we are going to be discussing the new movie, Jesus Revolution. And I was actually just super excited to be able to go see a movie. I feel like it's been so long, and we were able to take the girls and all of us go and really enjoy it. The girls absolutely loved it. It was definitely a topic that we have not discussed with them. And it covered a lot of ground about things that I wasn't really that aware of. So for those of you that don't know, Jesus Revolution, it's a true story. It's about the counterculture Christian youth revolution that happened in the United States in the late 1960s and into the early 1970s. And there's really a lot to say about this movement. But during this time, you saw many younger people drawn to experiencing all the things, drugs, um, new age practices, sex, etc., all of it. And in the movie, they really do a good job of showing that they were searching for something that would sustain them, bring them joy. They really focused a lot on love and peace, and they really wanted something to feel real in their lives. And in the midst of it, many started turning to Christ. And in this movie, it tells the story of Chuck Smith, who was a pastor. He passed away, I believe, in 2014 or 2013. And then Greg Laurie, who became a pastor that many of you may have heard of, and then a hippie named Lonnie Frisbee. But before we go more into the movie and the movement that actually happened, I wanted my mom to give her experience because she actually grew up in California during this time. When I saw this movie, I mean, I actually cried on and off because I was just brought back. I believe it was like right 1969 when I first was introduced to Jesus. And uh, I asked God into my heart when I was uh, at a Christian camp. And I know I've said this once before, but I want to give a little more clarity to it. Um, But then after that experience, uh, my family and I, we moved from Northern California to Southern California. And I had no fellowship. I didn't go to church. I couldn't drive to church. And I just kind of um, wandered. You know, like the one that leaves the flock and Jesus has to go find. I think that might have been me. So I just uh, did my thing at school, you know, just what high schoolers do. And then in my junior year, I started searching. I, I was starting to hunger for God. but I And I had already read the entire New Testament. But I, again, had no fellowship, no discipleship, nothing. So, I, you know, I knew I had that experience, but it just kind of waned. So I got involved with uh, Christian science for a short time until they said two critical things to me, that um, there is no evil in the world. Well, I I can look around and see that was not really accurate. And that all the stories in the Old Testament were not real. They were just stories to be learned from like Jonah and things like that. Well, That just did not resonate with my spirit. And I know the Holy Spirit was in me. I didn't know that at the time. Again, I had no discipleship, but I can look back now and know that the Holy Spirit was speaking to my heart. So I I left that. Then in my senior year, I met two friends, Cheryl and Jane. They invited me to a Bible study. And after a few times going there, 
I heard about accepting Christ. And it's not like I'd forgotten that I had asked God into my life before, but I just didn't know that much about God. I didn't, wasn't familiar with what I should have known. So I remember asking Christ into my life again. It was not a big wow pow experience, but I just was jumping in. I was just ready to go. And from that point on, I took off. And again, I know the Holy Spirit was with me all the time, but Jesus had to kind of wheel me back in. If you don't have fellowship and you don't go to church and you don't read your word regularly, read the word of God, it, it's easy to wander and you don't even realize you're doing it. But from that point on, I really took off. And this movie was like watching my life. There's scenes where they're sitting around the living room, playing guitar, singing and praising God. That was a weekly event for me. And yes, I did know former hippies and, you know, had converted. And it was just, that was my life. I was right in the big middle of the Jesus revolution. However, I had no idea there was a name for that. (laughs) I was just in it. And it was in California. I was in Southern California, probably about an hour from where this originated. So there you are. So in the movie, you can see them watching the news a lot and or different footage on TV and they can see all the hippies and everything that's going on. Uh Mm -hmm. Did you see that on TV a lot? I did. And um, I used to, I wasn't, it was, a lot of it was in Berkeley. Um, They would have sit-ins. Their protests, from what I remember, were the sit-ins. It was a lot more peaceful than kind of things that we witness now. There was also a lot of women's liberation going on. But the thing, too, I remember was the drug usage. When I did live in Northern California, I heard about drugs a lot. And LSD was a big, big deal. And a lot of kids died from LSD. And um, so, yeah, I I heard it on the news a lot. And I did see that. And, yes, I saw hippies. And, yes, there were hippies in my school. So, yeah, saw it. Been there. (laughs) What was your parents' opinion of it? I'm thinking about Oma and Opa and, and, and them sitting there and oh. seeing it and watching TV. Like, how did they feel about that, them being in a totally different generation, seeing that unfold? Well, they didn't really care for hippies very much. <laughs> and when I was in junior high, we would go, and then we freshman in high school, we lived in Northern California at that time. And we go to San Francisco quite a bit. We lived an hour from there. And my parents loved to drive through Haight-Ashbury with the doors locked and the windows up. But they, <laughs> <laughs> but they, we did it every time. We always drove through Haight-Ashbury just to, like, <laughs> like they're a sight, you know, an attraction or something. <laughs> Sightseeing. And you know, Tippy's just, you know, hanging out in the streets and just there. I never thought much about it. I just thought it was interesting. But they didn't care for it. It was a major, like, cultural shift. And now that I'm older and I look at my parents, my parents were teenagers, I believe, like in the late 30s um, and early 40s. And uh, oh, my goodness, that is a shift. And then going from dressing up like you dress out, dress up to go to dinner and, and all this stuff and all this, you know, what's proper and what isn't. And then here we come with kids with long hair wearing halter tops and, and bell bottoms and 100% shift. And well, it's I the complete see- opposite oh in my every goodness. way. <laughs> yes. And I started dressing like that. 
And I, I dressed both ways. It's like whatever I felt like in the mood, it was what I did. I didn't care. But, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, I can look now as an adult and go, that is such, it is a big shift from the 50s. And the 60s, and the 60s had two entirely different ways of dressing. We had the hippies and then I would call quote unquote regular clothes. It wasn't that big of a shift, but it was for the for the teenagers, the hippies. Mm -hmm. It was major. So no, they didn't appreciate them <laughs> at all. <laughs> I didn't figure so, but I was curious. And as we watched the movie and they had that, you know, they were showing different footage of that time period. I was thinking, hmm, I wonder how my grandparents felt about this since they lived in that area. Well, and something else too, just for fun, just to say this, one of the big things the protests were, a big mantra was power to the people. Well, I, I taught one of my grandchildren <laughs> that. Yeah, it went and real when well. She was, yeah, when she was two years old, I had Reese saying power to the people. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> my With their little fist up in the air, all of it. Yep, it's yep. fantastic. And my, my, my mother didn't care for that very much. But I'd say, but mother, they don't mean it like they're going to overthrow the government. It's just like, that is our government. They just want the people to have a bigger voice. That's all it meant back then to them. That's really all it was. I don't think but she it agreed. Was a, <laughs> it was a big deal to her. But yeah, it, I, was. it tickled me when Reese did it. I thought it was really cute. <clears throat> I liked yeah, it. I think it tickled you that it aggravated her too. <laughs> That also told her the peace sign. That was fun. So so I don't want to give a ton away about the film, but in it you see the transition in Chuck Smith's heart, who's the pastor in the movie, as he opens up his church to the hippies. You see how God used Lonnie Frisbee, who was the hippie in the movie, tons of hippies in the movie, but he was just one of the main ones, <laughs> yeah. who had his own struggles to help start a movement. And you see how God shifts Greg Laurie's desires from drugs and onto him. So you see these different transitions in these characters um, in these, you know, true life characters and how God used different struggles and um, different mindsets throughout to really start this movement. And one, of, I would listen to this interview and I'll share it um, on our Instagram. But in this interview between Greg Laurie and Chuck Smith, he talks about, Chuck Smith talks about his mom and his sister almost dying. And his sister actually did die. They took her to a church and they were praying over her and she died. And when they came in there, he said that his dad just was grief stricken. And the mom was praying and saying, God, if you just, you know, heal my daughter, if you bring her back to life, then I will devote my life to you. I will do everything. And she opened her eyes and that, and he said that really obviously played a huge impact in their family. So whenever Chuck was born, his mom made a vow and she said, through my son, I will fulfill my vow to you. And so she would always read the Bible to him. And whenever Chuck was even four and five, he was reading the Bible to her and just really amazing that impact of how things started really moving at that early age. So also in the interview, Chuck talked about losing his dad and his brother in an airplane crash. And he said it was very hard for him in a lot of ways, but it was very sudden. And he said it really was challenging for him. But then he said something that I really liked. He said, don't trade what you do know 
for what you don't know. It's whenever we have something happen in our life, tragic like that, that we start questioning why. Why did this happen? And so when he said that, what he meant by that was, you may not know why, but what you do know is you know God. You know that he is good and you know that you can trust him. And just hearing him say that, I was like, yeah, like that that's right. And if you watch this interview, mom watched it earlier too. He just had so much joy on his face the whole time. And in the video, um, during the time that he's being interviewed, he has lung cancer. And so I think I need to look back at the date that was recorded. I believe it was recorded in 2013 and he passed away in 2013 or 2014. So just to see that joy on his face was amazing. And he went on to talk about his transition, how he actually got to Calvary Chapel, where all this started. And he invite, he was invited to come to Calvary Chapel and to leave a church that he was already pastoring at that was growing. His wife was immediately opposed to it because she was like, why would we leave? And he was like, well, let's just pray about it. And she's like, uh, we don't need to pray about it. And it just reminded me so much of like when Adam came home and he was like, hey, let's move to Tennessee. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, why would we do that? You know, it's just this initial feeling of like, well, things are good here. Why would we leave? And then he said he went to a meeting one night and they discussed leaving and um, just his need to leave. And he got home that night and she was at the door and just said, you know, I may not be feeling all the feelings about it, but I know that I want to submit to you. You're my husband. I trust you. I trust God leading you in this. And I'm going to submit to that. And from there, he discussed how Kay, that's her name, his wife, had just a huge heart for the hippies. And when the kids would walk down the street, um, you know, a lot of them were, you know, strung out. They were just walking down the street. Some of them were just walking. She would just sit there and pray over them. And it's really cool because Greg said he was, he said that he was actually one of those kids that she was praying over because he used to walk that street. Yes. So that was pretty, pretty amazing. Then his daughter, uh, Chuck Smith's daughter connected with Lonnie, the hippie, <laughs> through a guy named John she was dating. And John saw Lonnie walking and picked him up and he asked, where are you going? And Lonnie said, I'm not going anywhere. I just hitchhike so I can witness to wh whoever picks me up. And then John introduced him to Chuck. And I just love that. I was like, are we, do we do that? Do we always look for opportunities to be able to speak about Jesus? Yes. Are we always on you know, on alert to think, okay, who can I talk about to Jesus today? Who can I show this love that God's given me to other people? Absolutely. That's such a good point because opportunities are everywhere. Just simple things like being kind to a waitress. Like if you're in hospitals, be kind to the nurses, um, going to the, even to the doctor. It's an opportunity to, to speak kindly to the nurse. I mean, you may be nervous, but they're on their feet all day, and they've got to deal with all kinds of different people and situations. Everywhere we go, every time we're in a situation, we have opportunity to be a witness. And what a great response that was uh, that Lonnie had. Uh, that was really fabulous. Yeah, I loved it. I was like, okay. So that, I mean, I realize that things happen in our day-to-day, -day or we're struggling with different things. So we're not always going to just be on like that. But it was a really good reminder of what our, where our hope is and what we should be focused on. You know, something else, too, in that interview, 
one of the questions that Greg asked Chuck was, uh, what are you afraid of? Like, what, what makes you afraid? And Chuck thought for a moment and he said, mm, nothing. He said, you're not afraid of anything? No. Even he's, and even with the ha just having been diagnosed with cancer, he made a, a clear statement that, you know, the worst thing that can happen is I'm going to die, but I'll be with the Lord. So like, you know, that's not really anything to be afraid of either. That was profound. And then later on, he addressed just all the stuff in the world that tries to grip us with fears and anxieties. But when we just know our Lord, it I mean, really know him, it puts things right where they need to be. Yeah, I really love that because he just was like, no, you know, and he's just smiling and you can just see the peace on his face, you know, just yeah. smiling. Mm -hmm. No, I'm good. And then he asked him if he had any regrets over his life. And he said, no, I, I haven't because I figure it's all used in some way and it's all God's plan. And so I just went along with it. I went along with his plan and I was like, wow, like, I don't know. It just really spoke to me mm -hmm. a ton. It's really, there's been a few different instances in my life, one being with my grandfather to where their end of life speaks so much. Like my grandfather in his last days was just preaching Jesus to everybody and just so amazing. Like that was on his heart to share with everyone and just hearing Chuck Smith say like, no, I'm not afraid. And he knows what was coming. Like he knew. And, and I'm, I'm okay with that because I want to be with Jesus and I've dedicated my life to Jesus and now I get to be with him. So it was pretty cool. And also he discussed how he was resistant to the hippies and said they were dirty hippies who needed a bath. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he said. So he told his wife, but then he allowed God to work in his heart. And then he opened the doors of his church to this group of people that so many people of the, even of the same generation, but older generation looked at as being unclean or maybe not worth the time, but they opened their doors. And that's, you know, I was watching that and I was like, that's what we need to do. Mm -hmm. We need to be open to discussion and creating these relationships because so much of the time when we talk about, or some sometimes when I hear people talk about witnessing, they just, you know, want to just, just say, this is what you need to believe without creating that relationship first. And it's so important to do that too. And that people feel comfortable with you and they feel welcomed. And I feel like that's what Chuck did with his church. And also another neat thing is he brought in, uh, they came in with the band Love Song and they started leading worship and he let them lead worship, which was a totally different style of music. Really cool because that actually started the contemporary praise and worship music that we hear today. So it's really neat that that was kind of the beginning of it and it transitioned to what it is today. When I uh, started going to church, um, we sang those kinds of songs, but something that we did a lot of, there were songs that the, the chorus repeated, but there was enormous amounts of harmony and the people, the congregation naturally harmonized with each other and if there was, and sometimes there was no musical accompaniment. It was just songs that people were familiar with. Christian churches were familiar with these songs, and we'd all just break out in singing 
and people would just start harmonizing. And it was absolutely one of the most beautiful things I've ever experienced. It was just, and we did the same thing in our, in our Bible studies, our, you know, our Wednesday night Bible studies. It was just, the spirit was just, it was so free. It was so free. And you, I never felt judgment. I never felt, I never felt anything but love and acceptance. It was just really a great time. Well, it just seems super genuine and real. We're seeing a lot of that right now across our country with, you know, we had Asbury and then we had, um, I've seen videos of Texas A&M and multiple colleges, Cedarville University, multiple colleges of these kids that are just singing. And I watched a video today um, from Texas A&M and there's no instruments or anything, but there's thousands of kids just singing like you're talking about. Yes. And it's just amazing. It really is amazing to see the spirit move like this. You know, in the movie, um, and I'm not giving anything away because you clearly know that Greg Laurie, where, where he is, and, but, um, you know, he's searching as a young man, as in high school, he is searching. And um, I read an article about him. He and his mom had a very stressful relationship because she was an alcoholic. Um, he discovered later on that he was born out of wedlock. He never knew his biological dad. Mom had married and divorced seven times. And so he really had a hard time with trust and thinking anyone was real. But when he came to know Jesus and he realized this is the real deal, it transformed him from the inside out. And I would suspect it really, uh, you know, enhanced his relationship with his mom as well. And something else too, the way Chuck's mom, you know, dedicated Chuck to the Lord. I really liked how he said, you know, she started off by reading the Bible to him all the time when he was just a little kid. And I thought that is what we need to do. And there's a verse and I've shared this once before, but it just talks, it's in the Old Testament, but it just talks about, you know, when you rise and, and you're walking about and doing your thing during the day, talk to your children about the Lord. Make it a natural part of your conversation. Don't make God a Sunday thing, a Wednesday thing. Or let's say our prayers at night thing. It's, hey, you got a problem? Well, let's just pray about this together. Or let's let's look what the Lord says about this and 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 be open and teach our children how to talk to God. It's not a religion, it's a relationship and how to show them. And that and also in that interview, uh, we found out that he didn't know that his mom had dedicated him to, uh, to the Lord until on her, on her deathbed. And he asked why. He said, because I didn't want to influence you. It had to be God's way, not my way. And mm-hmm. I thought, talk about giving your children up to the Lord. <laughs> Total right, trust yeah. in God and no stress. Yeah, I love that too. Because it's so tempting to want to interfere sometimes and just say things and you know, it's something that I have already started to have to practice with the girls as they're getting older, but I know more is coming where I will need to step back and let them figure out some things and mm-hmm. pray about it and trust God's plan and his sovereignty over them and his love for them. It's not just raising kids. It's in friendships. It's in marriage. It's in relationships with other family members. You know, when when you see something and you've shared your faith with them or you've really try to encourage them. Sometimes you just have to step back 
and say, okay, Lord, if there's anything else you want me to say or do, great. But give me the patience to step back and not try to be Mrs. Fix-It, you know? Right. And Mm -hmm. allow the Lord to do his work and just be grateful that he used you in any way, even if it's nothing more than prayer. And, you know, I hate to even say it like that, nothing more than prayer, because for real, that is the most we can do. That is where everything should begin. Just allowing the Lord to work in our relationships and allowing the Lord to be our Lord instead of us trying to be in control. Right. I really love that woman's example, the way she apparently raised Chuck. You know, when you think back at the beginning of Chuck's story and even with his sister and the vow that his mom said, and then leading up to, you know, moving and then his wife praying over the hippies in the street and then him opening up the doors to this group of this younger generation that many people were shunning and just how God's hand was in all of it. You can look at it now and just see all these different pieces that are coming together. It makes me think, okay, so how has this movement influenced Christianity around the world today? And at the beginning of this interview, Greg Laurie says, from this movement, Calvary Chapel sent people out to start this style church. And now today, as in when I say today, because this interview is in 2013, so there's even more now, I'm sure, that have um, you know come off of this. But they said 1,400 Calvary Chapel style churches to this day. So that was amazing. Mm-hmm. And then also Chuck Smith, he chose Greg Laurie to preach at a different church. And from this vision, 370,000 have made commitments to Jesus. And that was as of 2013. Mm. But how amazing. Like you have all these different things. And that's just right here. I mean, just in that little stat, you have that. And that's wonderful. But how amazing is it? How much bigger is it? And it's worldwide because they sent people everywhere. And then also, as we talked about earlier, the contemporary music that we listen to today, the praise and worship music, that's where it emerged from. And so that's pretty amazing to think about too. And I can think of one more example of how it's uh, influenced this little part of my world is because I was part of that revolution. And here you and I are sitting, doing this podcast. You're a believer. Your entire family's family are believers. And oh my goodness. And, it, yeah. and I'm not saying it was me. I'm saying that God used me and here we are. How cool is that? And how many other people who were in that time period that were my age have families now that have kids and grandkids and it's just progressing on generationally. Yeah. It's amazing how God used Chuck, Greg and Lonnie and others to create a movement across America and the world. And God's plan, it wasn't dependent on these men. But because they were open to God and his plan, they were able to take part in it and made me think of all the things that I may be closed off to that God could really use if I opened up my heart and mind to his will in those areas. It's actually served as a really good reminder for me that I need to pray, God, how can I serve you? Are there things in my life that I've been closed off to out of fear or doubt, or maybe I haven't even thought about it, that you would really like to soften my heart towards and being open to that? It's really exciting to think about. I mean, it really is. And it's just amazing to think whenever we fully surrender to his will above our own, how he can use those of us that are in the deepest struggles, like we even saw in this movie, for his will and his glory. Absolutely. And, you know, 
after I listened to that interview, which was <laughs> honestly just about an hour and a half before we did this podcast, <laughs> I just, I just, uh, Chuck prayed at the end and I just started crying and I said, Lord, I'm, I'm here. I just want to be used by you in any way you want and break down the barriers, any fears, any reservations I have, any laziness I have. And I did. I said the word laziness, anything, just break it down and build me up by the power of the Holy Spirit. Just cause me to be the person you created me to be before I was even born. You already had purpose and plans. And and again, when I say that I'm not looking for the plan, I'm looking just to serve the Lord one day at a time as he leads. There's a lot of freedom with that perspective. There really is. Just one of the things that I just loved was how Chuck talked about his wife and her struggles with different things and how she struggled with moving, but then she submitted to her husband and to God. She had a heart for the lost, and she also encouraged her husband who was resistant. And I just love how they encouraged one another to draw closer to God. And when they did that, their marriage was strengthened and those around them were forever touched as well. And just even hearing him talk about it, I was touched by that. I was like, okay, so it's okay to struggle. And it's okay for your spouse to say, hey, this is what we need to do. And we need to pray about this together. And it's okay that you struggle and you have doubts. But watching her transition that doubt into, no, I'm going to submit to my husband and I'm going to trust God in this. And then whenever he's talking about the sovereignty of God, and also when he was talking about the hippies and how, you know, they were unclean and then how he allowed God to soften his heart and the encouragement that his wife gave um, to him in that time and and just how they strengthened each other. They were um, sharpening each other in that way. And it was just really, really sweet to hear, but also very encouraging for my own marriage. I couldn't agree with you more. And, um, you know, when she said, I need to submit to my husband, understand this. When she said that, she was submitting to God's word Mm -hmm. because God tells us to do that. And, you know, there's a lot of people that, oh, no, you know, I'm not doing that. And they have attitude and, and I can understand that. But when you submit like that, you're actually putting your ha- your life into God's hands because you're following God's word. And that's what she was doing. She wasn't depending on Chuck to be the all-knowing, you know, I've got the answer guy. She was saying, no, God is all-knowing. And if God's putting this on his heart, I'm going to commit it to the Lord. And if he's not, well, the Lord will change his heart. But I'm going to submit to the Lord by doing what the Lord tells me to do. And that's when things fall into place. Yeah, absolutely. So overall, the movie was very encouraging. It really spurred me on to want to learn more about this movement. I'd heard about different pieces of it from my mom over the years. I'd seen some pictures, but it's very interesting. And especially during this time that I feel like we're having different things, you know, pop up across our country with um, the same age group. Yeah in different universities, having these praise and worship times for, you know, weeks at times. It's just, it's really amazing to see. So I would definitely recommend it. It's a fun movie to go see. I will say, um, if you bring your kids, know that obviously there is drug use that happens. Yeah. That was a given. (laughs) That was a given. (laughs) 
Um, Definitely. But it was really good. And the girls really enjoyed it. And we had really good discussions afterwards. So I would, I would recommend it. So thanks so much for listening today and just hanging out with us. And we will be praying over you. Mom, would you like to close us in prayer? You bet. Lord, I want to thank you for the Jesus Revolution, the, the one in the 60s and 70s, and now the movie. And God, the revolution we're having in our colleges. And Lord, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is sweeping our nation. I pray that you will touch the hearts of every listener. Lead everyone who needs to hear your message to listen to this, to read your word, praise and worship music. However, Lord, please let people be open to hearing your word and speak to their hearts because, Lord, you love us unconditionally. And that is what these people found in you and you alone. In Jesus' name, we praise you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today, and we hope you have a great week, and be light. Be light. (laughs) Bye. Bye.